This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Fake News Friday, finding our way through the blizzard of lies that so often is heaped upon us by politicians and the mainstream media alike. I am Andrew Lawton. It is Friday, October 28th, and I'm joined, as always, by Harrison Faulkner, who you can normally catch on Ratioed. And Harrison has been dutifully and diligently watching the Public Order Emergency Commission hearings all week, as have I. Uh, and you're still awake. You've managed to survive to Friday. It's 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 been difficult. I mean, I think you touched on it on your show uh yesterday or Wednesday what what day it was that you know, this has been there are parts of it that are extremely exciting and then there are parts of it that are just so dull, so difficult to get through and and I feel like they're kind of at a lot of times they're trying to muddy the waters and slow things down, but it's been, you know, what it's been really eye-opening and I think we're going to there's some there's some reporting that we're going to talk about on the show today that just shows you where the different sides of the media are coming from this uh, and where the narratives are coming at and what, what people are trying to do. It's really, at, at one side is trying to get to the bottom of the Emergencies Act and then a bunch of other sides of this are trying to just cover for their clients, right? Trying to make sure that they can clean their hands of this mess and try and pin the blame on somebody else. But all that is to say that on the show, it's sometimes difficult, Andrew, to find great examples of fake news. And then sometimes, some weeks, we get literal fake news, like actual just fake reporting into our hands that just land to us and just and we, and we all, all of a sudden have a full show full of actual examples of fake news. Not that other shows aren't fully fake news, but this one, this one's pretty good. <laughs> I've never seen actually this many examples of just straight up fake news, quite literally fake news. So excited to get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. And first off, let me congratulate the new mayor-elect of Winnipeg, Mr. Glenn Murray. What's that? Is it Glenn Murray isn't the mayor of Winnipeg. No. Okay. Scott Gillingham. Okay. That's not what CTV said. No, no, no. CTV was, was very clear. Glenn Murray had been elected mayor of Winnipeg in Wednesday night's election. They declared it. They uh, said that he, he was the victor. It was all done. They were popping champagne corks. And if you look at the results, it looked pretty close. Not something you'd want to necessarily be calling that early. Uh, then CTV, of course, ends up deleting it and says, CTV News has deleted a previous tweet saying Glenn Murray was declared elected by the CTV News decision desk. The desk is now revisiting the numbers. As more polls come in, as of now, CTV News is not declaring a mayoral winner in Winnipeg. So this wasn't just an erroneous tweet. It wasn't just like the Jerry Lewis uh, or the Jerry Lee Lewis obituary that they just like accidentally published uh, before they should have. No, this was one where their decision desk, whatever that is at CTV Winnipeg, had decided that he had won and was very far off the mark there. So it was literal fake news. You're right. 
No, well, and I, I have to say, when I was watching this unfold, I had a little bit of sympathy because I, I didn't fully, re I, I thought it might have been an error. Like I thought, you know, here's a little secret for people who don't know this. Of course, this, this, is, this is the truth. A lot of these articles are pre-written before the actual results are out so you can get stuff up when it happens. And so I thought at, at the moment, I thought, oh, you know, this is a bad mistake from some junior editor somewhere. Yeah, at, they at just published who, who like a few published, minutes too early right? or something. And then, and then, but, then, but then they put the tweet up, Andrew. So they published the article and then they put the tweet up as well, basically making it seem as though to uh, the poor Glenn Murray camp who had their fleeting moment of <laughs> Glenn Murray's mayoralty of Winnipeg was, was short, uh, but <laughs> it, it ended very quickly, right? It ended quickly on that same night because... Uh, he had won, but then he had lost because CTV just made a big error there. And I think there was there was talk about how this had happened, I think, in Quebec City previously or in another Quebec City where the the news covering the event called the wrong winner and then had to pull it back and then and then figure it all out. But I'm just trying to figure out where how are these decision makers getting the getting these stuff getting this stuff wrong, Andrew? How how are they making this point where they, they call a winner? And then they, they have enough, it's, it's close enough for it to keep going and it goes to somebody else. That's a big time error there. And it's not just a, it's not just an error by a junior editor. They published the article, then they put the tweet up after just to, just to rub salt in their own wound, I guess. I'm not sure what was going on over yeah, there like at the CTV Winnipeg. Yeah, like the cable news outlets have people that are experts in statistics and mathematics and people that know the political histories and they're comparing county demographics to past election results. And uh, when they make a decision that, you know, Joe Biden has won Iowa or something, they're they're doing it with all of that. And it's not to say they, they don't get it wrong sometimes. I know in the last election, there was a lot of controversy about Fox calling Arizona for Biden, even though that ended up being right ultimately. But like, I don't know. And with all all due respect to the people of Winnipeg and CTV Winnipeg, I don't know how sophisticated the decision desk is at Winnipeg. Like, I don't know if CTV Winnipeg's decision desk has all of the quants with their numbers or if it's just like a guy named Joe who just kind of looks and says... Yeah, that 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 looks like a Murray. That looks like a Murray win. I uh, so that I think that's the big challenge here. But a lot was hinging on him. A lot was hinging or her. A lot was hinging on that person at the decision desk, and they fell short of expectations. Maybe Andrew it was one of those things where the 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 the, the guy making the counting, the doing the counting for CTV News, had some plans later in the evening. It was getting later than he had wanted. Things had been pushed back. He thought, you know, I'm just done tonight. I'm just gonna call it. <laughs> Pack up my things. <laughs> I, I don't out. want to do overtime. I'm, and, and, I'm, I'm heading home. Uh, yeah, Murray's and, and, in the lead right now. Yeah, Murray's going, the winner. I really hope I didn't call this wrong. It would Peace really be out. Bad. I'm out. He's doing the George <laughs> Costanza thing. I'm out. Yeah, exactly. And then turns out, well, they they called the race wrong. So an example of of, of straight fake news. You got it. It's just perfect fodder for the show. And uh, like I said, it doesn't come around that that often. You have to say they're not they're not this this bad right but when it when it does happen it deserves mockery and that's a big error there that's it's not just a, it's not just a, a a little error by somebody a junior uh, a junior journalist at uh, cdb news winnipeg no that's a that's a full-on missed call so Scott Gillingham is the mayor of Winnipeg and Glenn Murray is desperately trying to put uh, corks back in champagne bottles so he can get the refund at uh, the local liquor store there. Uh, let's move one province east from Manitoba to Ontario 
where some of you are looking at your map trying to fact check me just now. I know that. Yeah, I know my Ontario, Manitoba geography, sadly. Uh, Doug Ford, as we know last week, was issued a summons to testify before the Public Order Emergency Commission, as was his uh, former Solicitor General, Sylvia Jones. Now, Sylvia Jones has come down with COVID in the last day, which I presume is the same strain of COVID that Justin Trudeau got when the truckers came to Ottawa and wanted to meet with him. So it's a very, very pervasive train. Right when your presence is needed somewhere, it, it hits you. And it's very unpleasant. Uh, but Doug Ford doesn't have the convenient uh, excuse of COVID to not testify. He's just saying he doesn't want to and doesn't think he should have to. But here's where the fake news Friday material comes from. Because when Doug Ford was previously discussing this, he was rather clear that the reason he wasn't testifying is because he had never been asked. So he said that he had never been asked, right, at a press conference standing with Justin Trudeau. This was at the beginning of last week. He said while standing side by side with Justin Trudeau that he stood shoulder to shoulder with Justin Trudeau over his invocation of the Emergencies Act. And when asked by reporters why he wasn't testifying at the Emergencies Act Commission, given that the Ottawa mayor and the entire senior federal cabinet pretty much is also testifying, including the prime minister, he was noticeably absent from the witness list along with Sylvia Jones. So reporters started asking him, what are you, what are you, why are you not testifying here? What's the deal with that? And he plainly and flatly said to reporters, I have not been asked to testify. I don't think it's that, I don't think we need to get a, a transcript here and parse through the language. It's quite clear to the ear. Doug Ford saying, I have not been asked to testify at the Emergencies Act Commission. Now, again, we're going to go through this because you'll realize that there's some, there's some, there's some, games being played with the, by the media here, some who are trying to basically, I think, kind of sweep under the rug the fact that Doug Ford is now is, has now two different, completely different stories in as many weeks, Andrew. Again, he's saying he was never asked to testify. So here's that clip that he was never asked to testify while standing beside Justin Trudeau. Hi, David Thurton, CBC. I'm going to ask this question to Premier Ford. Going back to my colleague Kevin Gallagher's question, how come, Premier Ford, you're not testifying at this inquiry? Were you asked? Did you decline? I have not, I have not been asked uh, again. Uh, I want to repeat what I said earlier. We have top officials uh, from the OPP that were running the operation with conjunction with municipal uh, police agencies and uh, the RCMP. You know, our police did an incredible job. They, they were very peaceful, they moved forward, and I am so proud to stand here and back our police right across this country and right across this province. I'll always support our police. They're professional, they're polite, and they ended up getting the job uh, done. Thank you. So that was early last week. Then the, then the Emergencies Act Commission summoned uh, Premier Ford and Sylvia Jones. So they said, we've, we've, we've tried to get you to come here twice now. You've turned us down now twice. So because of that, we're now summoning you to appear under oath. Again, that kind, of, that kind of flies in the face of what Doug Ford had been saying, which was he had never been asked to testify. The Emergencies Act Commission now says he has, they sent him two invitations to testify, and it was repeatedly turned down. So then here's where it gets interesting. The story has all of a sudden changed from Doug Ford, but here's where CP24 and fake news comes in. Listen to this CP24 report on October 24th, talking about the summons that Doug Ford had received. And listen, listen carefully at about 20 seconds in to what the journalist says regarding Doug Ford having been told by the commission to testify. Listen into that. 
Lawyers for the Public Order Emergency Commission say they asked Ford and Jones to sit down last month, but both of them refused multiple requests. Last week, Ford told reporters he'd been asked to appear. A letter sent from the commission says it believes Ford and Jones have relevant evidence to the inquiry's mandate. However, the Attorney General's office says it plans to fight the summons. There it is, Andrew. So the, the journalist there in the CB24 report says very clearly Doug Ford told reporters he had been asked to testify. Now, we can go back to the other clip and we can listen to that bit one more time. I'm pretty sure the premier says, I was never asked to testify by the Emergencies Act Commission. So there it is, Andrew. I'm trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong here. How could CB24 tell the people, tell people in Toronto and their audience that Doug Ford told reporters he had been asked to testify? He clearly said he didn't. I mean, again, this is another example of straight fake news and it's kind of gone under the radar because it's just one little slip of a word in about in a, in a two second clip on CB24. But these things matter to me and I think it deserves to be called out. It's the old uh, Groucho Marx thing that uh, CP24 is now appropriated as its slogan. Who are you going to believe, us or your lion eyes? So it doesn't matter what you saw and heard yourself from Doug Ford. We're telling you, no, no, no. He, he said he was invited. It's, it's all good. And uh, look, mistakes happen. Accidents happen. Uh, you ideally make a correction and move on. But I think in general, there's a bigger issue right now in the media not really holding uh, Doug Ford's feet to the fire on this. And uh, this is a guy who I think has been sucking up to Justin Trudeau, who's been sucking up to the mainstream media and right now maybe I'm just in my own little echo chamber here but I've been looking and I'm not seeing the uh, anger from the media I'm not seeing the outrage I'm not even seeing all of the uh, I'm not even seeing much of the questioning of him at those opportunities where the press can put uh, questions to Doug Ford about it it seems like he took the right position and now he's getting a pass it's very strange to me, again, and just in regards to the Sylvia Jones excuse, I'm just checking my calendar, and it appears under that I have COVID next week, which is going to be very convenient for me, so I can take some much-needed time off myself. Uh, but again, I, I, you said that uh, Ford won't have that excuse. I don't think he will be able to use that. And like you said, the media are not calling him out for blatantly telling them something that isn't the case, for trying to go with a line uh, that, that is just not true. Um, it's, it's strange to me that in a, different, in, in a different time, Doug Ford would be raked over the coals for trying to get away with this from the media. But it's, it, we're in this strange time right now where, where Doug Ford seems to be getting a pass from the media. The NDP, in uh, the Ontario NDP in the legislature, uh, are trying to do their best to hold uh, his feet to the fire. But it seems they're the only people that are doing this right now. I do have to say, I saw on Wednesday night a, a great rant from breakfast television co-host Sid Sixero, who usually has some pretty good takes. Um, I consider him to be pretty much down the line on a lot of this stuff. He'll, he's an equal opportunity a slanderer, which I actually appreciate in politics. He goes after everyone. And he actually, he actually put Ford uh, right in his place and made it very clear that you can't just get away with saying one thing uh, one week and then the exact opposite the next. There's a word for that. Um, and uh, and I, I, he used that word, uh, which I think is appropriate because it's time that Doug Ford gets called out for this. I don't understand what he's running for, what he's running from, and why he's refusing to testify. It seems and looks very shady, and it doesn't 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 make him look like he's uh, like he like he's some total neutral player in this. All it looks like he has something to hide. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. No, yeah, I'd agree very much with that. Uh, this is a bit of a weird topic because it, it goes back to when we, I can't remember if we did it on this show a couple of weeks ago or if it was just on my show or if it was just on Twitter or if I dreamed the whole thing. But uh, it'll be a, a story that's a couple of weeks old now, which is the uh, somehow losing the ability to speak English under oath when you've been testifying under oath in English for uh, several hours and using words like specificity and microaggression. Uh, that was Ottawa City Councillor Matthew Fleury. But sometimes the opinion columnists are a little bit late to the party here. I am myself am a victim of that. It'll take me a while to write a column, and by the time I publish it, other people have moved on, but I think it's still relevant. Uh, in this particular case, the Toronto Star, in a, a piece on the 26th, so that was Wednesday of this week, uh, took aim at Francophobia. <laughs> at the Emergencies Act inquiry. It was a, a piece contributed by Isabel Borgo-Tasse, uh, which I believe is an Irish-Chinese name, if a memory serves. But uh, Isabel Borgo-Tasse says that Francophony meets Francophobia at the Emergencies Act inquiry. And she says, English is always first. The French follows. My tongue is put in its place disquieting absence of the First Nations, Inuit, and Métis languages, manifestations of Canada's troubling linguistic pecking order, emblematic of the country's colonial history. Man in, like, diverse woke bingo. That one just, like, got a straight line, a box, the four corners, diagonal line, everything. And what I find interesting about this, and the column just goes on to talk about, uh, you know, Matthew Fleury's Francophone, Anglophone distinction and all of that. But it's like, of all the things you take from that, like we made fun of the language thing, but it wasn't actually like the central thesis of the Public Order Emergency Commission's work. It's like that, like you just have to be really looking for a grievance if you've been watching the, what is it, 11, 12 days of testimony now, and that's the one that, the one thing you've taken from it is they're francophobes. I, I, you know, it's very easy. I think sometimes if you're really plugged into uh, the the day to day news and it's your job to read too much into things, and I think all of us at certain points fall victim to that. Just analyze, over analyzing things and reading too deep into them. The reality is, as we all know, Matthew Flurry just miraculously forgot how to speak English when he was put in his place and asked to define a word that he had accused truckers of, uh, of committing microaggressions multiple times. The second he was asked to define that, he breaks out the whole I'm Francophone for the first time, I should say, in the, in the hearing. The only time he broke that out was when he was being cross-examined by Brendan Miller, the convoy lawyer. So very, very, very creative excuse to just decide, actually, I'm not going to be able to speak uh, in English for this one section, and I'm going to go back to uh, speaking English just fine without an accent, without a problem, uh, right after, right after I'm done being questioned by someone I don't like. And that's really what, what this is all about. And the article itself is so absurd, Andrew. You talked about the, the woke bingo card, the fact that, you know, it will be an instant win. Those aren't even all, those aren't even all like the sort of fake words they're putting into this article. There's one here, Anglo-normativity, which I haven't heard before. It's like this idea, I guess, I guess it's, it's becoming too normal. It, Andrew to speak English in Canada. Last time I checked, I think English is uh, is the dominant language spoken in Canada by quite a significant ways. So I guess in that in that in that instance, Canada is far too Anglo normative. And I guess the point of this whole article is to basically say that we are far we we, we speak too much English in this country, and it's not right. At the beginning, this writer says. 
that along with the fact that English is always first and French follows, it's in tandem with the curious, disquieting absence of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis languages. And I, I'm just trying to figure this out, Andrew. Like, are we supposed? Is this article trying to basically tell us that we need to have um, Inuit, Métis, and First Nations languages um, in, in government documents, in more public places? Like, is that going to help us better understand things that are going on? I, I'm very confused about all this. And, and the reality is, you don't always have to defend people for, you know, absurd things that they're doing that are, that are obviously absurd. I think it's very, it would be the, the average position for anyone who hears this will say, uh, that's ridiculous. This guy sounds like he's just bitter and trying to avoid answering questions. We don't need to have some great big francophone, anglophone debate over this. It's clear that Matthew Fleur was obviously playing around, trying to mess around. And he got called out for it by Miller, who, who, who rightly said, if, if he was asked to speak French, he reintroduced himself as Jumapel Brendan. The perfect response, in my opinion, Andrew, to such a ridiculous thing to try and try and pull like that, as if as if no one was really paying attention. Yeah, a lot. I mean, look, the the grievance is that, and and I believe the writer is a Franco-Ontarian, in which she's even more of a, a linguistic minority than being a, a Quebecois French speaker. But the reality is, we can say we're an officially bilingual country, but functionally, English is the language of this country. You, it would be very difficult for you to get by by speaking only French, uh, and even then. And you can probably get away with it if you have certain jobs in Quebec where you can just pretend you don't speak English, which I'm convinced is what like all of the Quebec civil servants I've encountered are doing. But I, generally speaking, I mean, there are people that just like don't like that they lost in 1763 and that this is an English dominant country. And I think that's what this comes down to. But it is ridiculous. And, and it's not to say that if he were genuinely struggling, that he should have been given a hand by the translator. But the issue is it was only at that precise moment that he he lost the ability to speak in the language he'd been testifying in. But uh, nevertheless, uh, this is from the Toronto Star. So uh, what do you expect? Uh, we all, I mean, I think that was a lighter note, uh, but, but we always tend to uh, end on lighter notes. What else do we have coming up? So we're, we're talking about CP24 to end off the show this week. We we had a great example of CP24 being, you know, pushing fake news, but we're not done just yet. We've got one more story, and it's worth just reading the headline of this story so you, you can understand where CP24 is coming from. The headline reads, Mountie wears thin blue line patch while escorting man convicted of hate crime. So, again, the story could be about the man convicted of hate crime, what he did wrong, and trying to understand that as that's usually the story, not usually the patch that the officer was wearing who escorted the man, but nonetheless, this is CP24 coming in to give us the real hard-hitting news, Andrew. The, the, man, the, the Mountie wearing a thin blue line patch while escorting the man convicted of hate crime. And there, this writes, the officer displayed a thin blue line patch on the left side of his hat Thursday as he transferred uh, the Travis patron back to jail from Courts King, Bench, and Estevan. And then the story says, the symbol has been associated with white nationalist movements, was recently worn by a Saskatchewan Mountie while escorting an inmate who had just been sentenced for hate speech. You could almost know exactly where the story was headed, right? When, when it was talking about the patch that the officer was wearing, oh, you just know it's actually going to be about some, about the thin blue line being connected with white nationalist movements. Of course it was.
I, but, and here's the thing. Like, the whole story is based on this idea that you're supposed to read this and assume that the thin blue line patch is problematic, as they say. That you're supposed to look at it and see that it must be hateful or white supremacist, and hence the justification. And the funny thing is, even the expert they cite, who is this woman that will be cited in, like, any story about hate groups and radical groups in Canada, Barbara Perry, director of the so-called Center for Hate Bias and Extremism at Ontario Tech University. University. Uh, Barbara Perry doesn't even say it's hateful. She's like, well, the, the symbol is purposely ambiguous. So it it could be bad. It could be good. You never know. And uh, the RCMP, they're saying, yeah, we'll, we'll look and we'll re-educate everyone on the uniform and dress manual and the implications the thin blue line may have. The thin blue line has nothing to do with radicalism, nothing to do with hate. It refers to this idea of uh, policing as being the line that keeps society from defending into violent chaos. I'm, I'm quoting that directly. Uh, for police officers, it's generally something they just take as a point of pride, that they are part of this blue line that serves society. Uh, oftentimes, people use the term blue line in a derisive way as far as like police only uh, supporting police and not wanting to criticize each other. But generally speaking, there's nothing hateful about that patch. Now, I know nothing about the officer. Maybe the officer is like a you know, ethnic minority, racial minority, LGBT, uh, woke, diverse person. Maybe he is a white supremacist. I have no idea and I don't care, but the patch itself is irrelevant and redundant. And the uh, CP24 article is trying to make it out to be at some smoking gun of uh, hatred, which I just uh, find absurd. No, and God forbid the officers want to, you know, show some show some solidarity with their fellow officers, have some pride in the job they do, which is one that we need them to do, which is to protect us. I mean, huh, we, we should never let them be proud of that, Andrew. That's such a bad thing. And, and it goes even further. The RCMP in this article basically write this groveling, you know, apology about the thin blue line patch worn by one of their officers. And in this, in this the, the RCMP are quoted as saying, the photos bring forth a good opportunity for senior management, including the Saskatchewan RCMP Sergeant Major to re-educate individuals on the RCMP's uniform and dress manual and the implications the thin blue line may have to segments of the community we serve. There it is. We have to re-educate our officers because they dared, Andrew, to show some to show some solidarity with their fellow officers and have some pride in the job they take to keep us safe. I mean, what, what strange times we're living in and how could this be the story of the article? How, how could this be the story in the article? Yeah, Patch Politics, the uh, newest product of CP24. <laughs> that does it for today. We'll have lots more next week here on Fake News Friday, also on Ratioed, on the Andrew Lawton Show, the Rupa Subramania Show, Reality Check, Alberta Roundup, all sorts of programs, and I hope you will tune into them and check out TNC.news. Uh, joined by Harrison Faulkner, I'm Andrew Lawton. Have a great weekend, everyone.